For us to understand the prophetic knowledge, we really need to go back to this idea of the temperament, the mm. mizaj. Mm. Yeah? And mizaj actually is a Quranic term. Mm. So we can translate it as a temperament or as a personality. And basically what it is, is very easy to anchor this into the four seasons. Mm. So predominantly we have four seasons and there are four different types of temperaments. So mm. you have uh, spring season, which has a quality of being warm and moist. Warm and moist. That's spring. Mm. And then you have summer, which is really warm and dry. Dry. With warmer or hot? Warmer, hotter and dry. Hot and dry. Yeah. And then you have what you call fall here or uh, autumn, autumn mm -hmm. which is dry and cold cold yeah. and then you have winter which is uh, cold and wet yeah okay so you're cold and moist cold and so moist, these yeah. are the qualities inherent in each of the season mm. in a similar way predominantly you have a person that would be one or more of these temperaments and with so a dom they'll have a dominant they would have a dominant temperament and then they would have a subdominant temperament would you would you what would you call these well you have many names for these mm. so for example spring is uh, called rabi in arabic mm -hmm. yeah and in english is called sanguine sanguine yeah so this is someone who's always going to be in a good mood they're going to be Happy. in a good mood okay mostly in a good mood and then you have summer okay yeah which is sofravi Swad, Swafravi, mm -hmm. from yellowness, uh, yeah, which is also known as choleric. Choleric. Yeah. So they like summer, a lot of this fire. This is person going to be hot-blooded. Hot-blooded. So why wouldn't it be red? Like hot-blooded, the, the color that oh, comes to mind right. is red. It's, it's now, nah, but here the hot-blooded of summer is you have the yellowness of the bile. Okay. Yeah. So it's not hot-blooded, but choleric with a irritation uh, and heat. Highly irritable. Highly irritable. Uh, so they don't necessarily have abundance of blood, but they have abundance of heat and dryness. So that they could, they have a temper too. They're more like every yeah. They're more likely to have a temper. So they're, they're quick more, to snap. They're more likely to be outward. Start reminding me of yeah. myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so they they're very quick to to shift moods. Indeed. Okay, you actually you think you just diagnosed me right there. Okay, next. And one, then you fall. have the fall, which is the autumn. Okay. Yeah, which is more melancholic. Mel. Oh, okay. So a downer. This is like a Debbie downer. We, we yeah. call it Debbie downer. More and internalized, yeah. more reflected, but downer. And what would we call that? We call it melancholy. Melancholy. Oh, in Arabic, saudawi. Yeah, this Soda, is from the hilt of soda. Yeah, sort of darkness. But this is the type of person you want to get away from. Well, we'll come to that. Yeah. No, you don't want to get away from any person. Yeah, because they all have their strength and Better. weaknesses. That's the difference. And then you have the phlegm, which is the winter.
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا Today uh, I have an honor uh, I have the honor to be hosting here at the Safina Society podcast podcast uh, Hakim Salim uh, Khan from Leicester uh, England he's a sheikh from Pakistan but his specialty is something pretty unique and I personally would say that I only have met one person with this specialty and namely is that he is uh, a specialist in tib in natural medicine and specifically prophetic medicine which is tib so uh, inshallah let's begin right off the bat with uh, how your your background when you came to Leicester when you moved to Leicester and when you began uh, learning about tib Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Thank you so much for uh, your invitation and mm. the opportunity to speak with yourself and your listeners. Uh, as you said, my background is really from Pakistan. I originally came to UK with my father in the 1960s and then went back uh, and did most of my education in Pakistan. But I also studied in uh, England, what uh, nowadays we call complementary and alternative medicine. Mm. Uh, things like herbal medicine, osteopathy, iridology, nutrition. So, you know, it's been a continuing journey really. And I started to practice in 1978. Um, uh, so no, no. since then I'm in practice and also in teaching. Now, uh, most people are going to ask and, and wonder and say that the main difference between what we know as like contemporary medicine versus uh, natural medicine, the attack would be that one can be proven, whereas the other cannot. How would you, what's, what's the main response to that? <laughs> I mean, I think what you call contemporary medicine has many other names. Mm. Some people refer to it as scientific medicine, uh, evidence-based medicine, um, modern medicine. Yeah, evidence-based is the, the main idea. Is the main idea, really. And, uh, well, my beginning response would be that really what we call modern medicine, contemporary medicine, science-based medicine, evidence-based medicine is really fine far as it goes. Mm. But it is only part of the whole corpus and practice of medicine itself. Mm. So medicine, if we look at the history and the origin of medicine, it depends on one's view of the origin of human being. Mm. If you consider human beings came out of nowhere, that this universe is really an accident, the Big Bang theory or the Big Bang idea, and therefore things sort of just evolved and at some stage human beings evolved. And as they evolved, they develop various faculties such as observation and this and that. And as a process of that, science came along, whatever the word science is. 
And, you know, then the industrial revolution came. I'm sh- I was jumping through the humanistry quickly. Yeah. And then w- amazing, with coming of industrial revolution, we have the beginning of modernity mm. and industrial age and then the post-industrial age. And now we are in, uh, you know, the information age and, and so on and so forth. And if you follow this uh, trajectory of evolution and accidental happening of the universe, mm. then really the whole uh, fitting of the modern medicine is part of the industrialization of human life. Mm. So in a way, modern medicine, you could say, is industrial medicine. Mm. Modern medicine is a reflection of the uh, human industrialization process. So it is amazing in what it is capable of doing. Uh, But really, this capability of modern medicine is very small part of the health care. So take example of Britain, for example. It was the first country in the world that provided free health care to all its citizens. After 70 years, now the health care service in Britain, in spite of all the investments and the amazing talents of the professional doctors and other health care workers, is in serious crisis. Mm. In your own good country, America, Uh, the healthcare facilities are much to be desired about. Mm. And in other industrialized world, you have best training programs, best hospitals, yet the health status of the population is deteriorating. Mm. And in fact, the new diseases, what they call modern lifestyle diseases, what they Mm. call also non-communicable diseases, are the 70 to 80% of the current degenerative diseases are these, such Mm. as heart diseases, diabetes, you know, and so on and so forth. So (laughs) evidence-based medicine really has not delivered the promise Mm. that one day human beings will be healthy, free, free from, you know, diseases it eats and drinks all the resources. Mm. <coughs> now, coming back to con- you know, complementary and alternative or natural traditions of medicine, mm. it's amazing when we look at the other view of human origin and development, which is that Allah in his wisdom and mercy created human beings and created all the environments including earth and its various atmospheres and created insan to then live on earth for a limited period. Mm. And part of that creational program, through his mercy, Allah also provided the knowledge and the expertise how to maintain health. Mm. And when an individual or a community is ill, how to take care of health. So you could say that from a prophetic model, from a uh, traditional Islamic view, the knowledge of health and disease came with the first human being Mm. and is part of the divine revelation. So when we mm. talk about the evidence, the evidence for the practice of classical 
tip or prophetic medicine or natural forms of medicine really goes back to the first day when human beings came on earth mm. whereas the evidence for the modern medicine is about two to three hundred years old mm. so which has more data based on evidence uh, when you brought up the industrial revolution that was a, a a great point because oftentimes modern medicine is almost the secularization of the body in the respect that or from the respect that divides up the bones not organs skin uh, and these things are there's never a view of the holistic impact or the impact on the human being as a whole uh, whereas when you look at the quote-unquote ancient medicines the Chinese tradition Indian tradition uh, even whatever tradition they've always viewed the individual as a whole Right. This is one of the things that I've always mark, uh, thought about is that one of the things that we're really, uh, modern medicine is really weak at, doesn't view the human being as a whole, right? So you can have someone who knows everything about bones, mm. nothing about skin. Mm. But do we think that actually that these two aren't going to be uh, uh, at some point interconnected, right? Affecting one another. And the highest point, like uh, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, he has a uh, saying is that the greatest of scholars is the one who knows uh, the relationship between sciences, right? Mm. Or a st mm. statement maybe uh, given to someone else, but that's the idea. The relationship between sciences and the relationship between parts of the body, right, and the whole body is one thing where we're extremely deficient here in, in modern medicine. You, you rarely see it, much discussion on it, whereas you do, you do see that discussion in Chinese, Indian, and other traditions. I think you were right but I would go a step further, really. I would say mm. that it is not only the secularization of the human body, it is actually secularization of the whole cosmology, mm. yeah? Secularization of the whole human being mm. and really uh, removing the inner core of the person by converting human being into a sophisticated machine. Mm. Yeah? That's exactly it. So Interchangeable parts. Indeed. Yeah. That's what it is. And a lot of the disease of contemporary human being, particularly young people, stems from the fact that the spiritual dimension is not considered in the, the practice of modern medicine. Oh, it's deleted. It's, uh, a, it's like you took a piece, you took a, this uh, most important piece mm -hmm. and completely backspaced. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But really, I want to come back in our conversation mm. to something more profound. Because in a way, contemporary medicine has lost the game already. Mm. Intelligent physicians and surgeons and practitioners of contemporary medicine for last 50 to 100 years know that industrial medicine is only fit for a limited purpose mm. and it has its place. So people have been searching and reconnecting back to the human heritage mm. of health and well-being. Now what's interesting is that in the Muslim community this reawakening and reconnection is very poor. Mm. 
So why is that? <laughs> well, many reasons. I think we're many reasons. We're, we're busy imitating. Uh, that's one reason. Really, we are very good imitators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, there is something which happened historically in our in development of our um, civilization. You know this incident when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina. Mm. You will know that the name of the city was not Medina when they migrated there. Mm. Yathrib. Yathrib. And Yathrib really meant a place of disease and suffering. Mm. SubhanAllah. So when the companions went there, many of them got ill. Obviously the Prophet ﷺ prayed to make that place suitable for their uh, habitat. And so the name of Yathrib was changed to Madina al-Munawra mm. and Madina al-Nabawi. So you begin to see that in the scheme of creation, mm. when Allah chose through His mercy to, ref to reflect his qualities, his sifat, he created Prophet Muhammad which at a human level embodies in the highest form possible the sifat and the qualities of Allah Kareem. And therefore any individual out of choice when they connect with the prophetic living and the model and begin to inculcate and adopt those qualities of the Prophet in their life and to the extent that he or she does, mm. they become whole. Mm. They become close to the Prophet In fact, just mentioning their blessed name and sending salawat purifies and uplifts mm that particular individual or the community or the group. Mm. So if we follow that thought, when they went to Medina, there was an incident which took place, mm. which is that the people in Medina used to pollinate the dates. Mm. And uh, the Prophet asked them on one occasion, why you do this? And they said, you know, we get more crops. Mm. So there's an indication that they said you don't necessarily need to do that. And the year later, they didn't get sufficient crops. Uh. So the Prophet said, well, you know, I indicated that you know the matters of. Mm. I was just asking a question. Didn't yeah. give an order. Yeah. yeah. And from this hadith, one or two historians have taken this idea, particularly Ibn Khuldun, mm. may Allah bless his soul, Amen. in his muqaddama, that he says that what is referred to as Tib Nabuwi mm. is not necessarily part of the sacred knowledge. Okay. Uh, and after the colonization of the Muslim lands and the people and the minds, what has happened really is that Tib Nabawi and Tib has been almost forgotten mm. in the interest of pursuing scientific medicine. Mm. 
Yeah. Whereas other cultures, such as Chinese and Indian and others, have kept their healthcare tradition intact. Mm. Um, fortunately for us, Tibbunabwi and uh, Tib, and uh, which has many different names, continues to be practiced and is available. But in minds of many Muslims, especially some of the learned Muslims, they really <coughs> don't make that whole connection back to the prophetic model. Uh, question. And whereas with other traditions, mm. it's seen as part of their culture and tradition. Oh. Whereas with Muslims, somehow this split has happened. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that the Orientalists have really gone to town mm. on this matter and have said that really there is no such thing as prophetic medicine. It was a mixture of magic, superstition, witchcraft, ancient Arabian Jahiliya customs. And whatever they stole from the Greeks. Whatever they stole. Of course, this is always yeah. the case that whatever they took from the Greeks and yeah. the Romans. Uh, and sadly, many of us have fallen for this yeah. erroneous idea. Now, can uh Nebawi takes into account there's a soul and the health of the soul is through Deen. So it would make sense to me to say that the Nabawi cannot divorce between physical health remedies and practice of Deen. That we have something called Baraka and the opposite of it is Lana. And as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, um, if the heart, if it is Salim, if it is uh, sound, the whole body is sound. Meaning that the heart is free from these envies, is free from this hatred. And the free from attracting lana and curses by oppressing others or by oppressing yourself through certain sins, mm -hmm. which is religion as a whole. So would it be accurate for someone to say, uh, you know, this idea that Tibbin Nebuwi, the hallmark of Tibbin Nebuwi is that these sins and these false beliefs and these diseases of the heart, they are as much responsible for your physical health as the food, the climate, etc., your genetics, etc., etc. Indeed, I mean, yes. Uh, it is so true because the individual is a whole person. Mm. Each human being is a whole person in the sense of being ho holistic. Mm. But also each human being is a holy person in the sense that they have uh, a holiness to them in, the, in that they ca carry the ruh, mm. yeah? the soul or the spirit. So there's that side which Islam and the prophetic uh, knowledge and living addresses. Mm. But also the Prophet ﷺ in their uh, role as a messenger were also physicians per excellence. Mm. Yeah? So the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ with respect to health maintenance and health preservation, mm. as well as treating specific disease conditions, is as authentic as any of their other knowledge and skills and qualities. Mm. Now, <laughs> if you go back historically, there was a case when one of the companion had a heart attack mm. and the Prophet ﷺ diagnosed them and said that you are having a heart attack, go and see so-and-so and ask <coughs> them to treat you with such and such remedy. Uh. Yeah. 
Now, amazing, not many people know this. Hmm. I've never heard this hadith either. This is a yeah. very well-known incident. Yeah. Yeah. Again, a very well-known incident is that one of the kings sent a physician to Medina hmm. to look after the community, and this physician for many years was there, but hardly any patients. Hmm. So he went to the Prophet and said, "You know, I don't get any people who come and see me." Yeah. Uh, he says, "Well, my people, they eat when they're hungry, hmm. and they only eat to a certain amount." He says, then, I am not needed here. Yeah. So he kissed the ground, yeah, and went and left Medina. Uh. Now, this, these real incidents are not known by our people. Yeah. So look at the ability of the prophetic lifestyle, that how much disease it can prevent. Yeah. And uh, all mainly through eating. Mainly through eating Tell and... And you know, there's another very well-known story, really, that two scholars were traveling. One was a Muslim scholar, and the other was a Christian scholar. Mm. And they got talking together, and one of the Christi this Christian scholars said to the Muslim scholar, you know, your holy book, Quran, is really such an amazing book. It talks about all subjects, but it really doesn't deal with health, he said. Yeah. Um, and the Muslim scholar said, actually, there is half of a sentence uh, yeah, and the Christian scholar said, you know what, this is half of the medicine yeah. and half of the sentence. Subhanallah. Yeah? Subhanallah. So, you know, we hear from our scholars that uh, Islam is a complete way of life. It is actually the best way of life that the Prophet ﷺ came to complete this final way of life and mm -hmm. they lived it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to health and well-being, and dealing with diseases, you ask our scholars, and you ask our leaders, and you ask our professionals, and you ask our healthcare people, and you say, well, where is this heritage? Yeah. And many of them are then usually quiet. And if you look at our people in the community and the behavior, uh, we are very far removed from mm. what it needs to be. And, and speaking about uh Another ayah that may point to the holistic aspect is, and this is this ayah doesn't necessarily only speak of physical health, but it definitely includes physical health, and that is Whosoever just uh, leaves off my remembrance, he has a miserable existence, mm. right? So this actually is bringing mood, temperament, happiness, right, which also is related to health because. I mean, as you know better than the than anyone else, that your mood affects your physical health. People who are happy are generally less susceptible to disease than someone who is sad. I mean, sadness and grief are precursors to getting sick. Yeah. You know. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, I think again we need to just go back to the whole concept of what is a human being. Mm. Once we understand that human being is first and foremost a spiritual being. Mm. Yeah, that this and is the bulk of the concern. Indeed. Mm. So, if we acknowledge and accept that a human being is a spiritual being, then the requirement of the spirit or the soul, its sustenance, mm. its nourishing, its relaxation and rejuvenation, and its sustenance mm. and its connection with its creator becomes our number one priority. Yeah. So, this is really the. Um, 
uh, contribution of Nebawi, the prophetic lib, is is this emphasis on the soul. So if they're saying, well, where's all the remedies in the hadith? Where's all the remedies in the Quran? These are all just anecdotal. It's because honey was there, because dates was what they had. But I think the main point is the Prophet, peace be upon him, state, uh, uh, teaching that it's, uh, so much of it is in your heart. So much of it is, uh, well, Iman rectifies mood. It rectifies uh, even temperament. We were talking before we started recording on the issue of temperament. So maybe you want to, you just finished a book on temperament. So maybe you want to, uh, uh, you know, tell our listeners something about that. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, the thing is that if we, if we talk about Islamic or Muslim or Tibbul Nabi health paradigm, then the first thing is to bring it, restore it to its originality, which mm. is that when we talk about human being, we're talking about a human being that has a soul and a spirit. Mm. And also that soul and spirit then is reflected in the various faculties of the body and the various limbs and the systems of the body including uh, the mind Mm. and the heart so we're talking about a whole person approach Mm. now fascinating that the Prophet not only knew about these dimensions but actually they gave specific instructions to individuals in their lifetime as to what to eat and what not to eat for their individual situation. Mm. Again, there is an occasion when the Prophet and Sayyidina Ali were invited to a home for a meal. Mm. When they got there, the Prophet said to Ali, Ali, you don't eat this food Mm. because you have just recovered from an illness and this food is not suitable for you. Mm. So they made an alternative meal. When it came, the Prophet instructed Ali and said, Ali, eat this, this is very good for you. Mm. Now this shows that how much the Prophet had the knowledge and the skills to individualize Uh. to this detail for each of the companion. Mm. Yeah? So... Again, food combination. Today, people are completely confused oh, about food combination. What That's is a big subject. Food combination. Mm. Before we come to the <clears throat> temperament, yeah, the whole thing about food combination is you know, people are confused. Mm. But the Prophet gave us guidelines, yeah, how to combine various foods so that you balance the different mm. uh, qualities or the extremes of a given food. Mm. Yeah? Reminded me that uh, in my first year at uh, of my master's uh, in George uh, at Georgetown, uh, I was able to take a, a couple courses at Georgetown. So I took my, my, my first year's master paper through a class at Georgetown under Scott Redford, and he had pointed me to the Muqaddimah. He said, you're going to love this book. And one of the things that he notes is that the nomadic Bedouin people, their bodies were so much leaner, their skin was so fresh, and they were so much healthier than the city people. Mm-hmm. And he attributed it to the simplicity of their food combinations that, and the predictability, whereas the city person will get it food from one city. Then he'll mix it with another sauce, mm-hmm. then full of oils and spices. Mm-hmm. And he attributed their sort of drabby skin 
and um, unfit body to all this uh, mixture of, of so many foods. Uh, so that's something you did when you said that it reminded me of that the simplicity of food combinations is something that uh, in the modern world I mean who knows how many thousands of ingredients we are absorbing new ingredients every year Indeed. right from these foods that are really not even foods they're food products or they're uh, who knows what they are mm. these ingredients that's a paragraph long mm -hmm. so so coming back to the prophetic food combination mm. For us to understand the prophetic knowledge, we really need to go back to this idea of the temperament, the mm. mizaj. Mm. Yeah? And mizaj actually is a Quranic term. Mm. So we can translate it as a temperament or as a personality. And basically what it is, is very easy to anchor this into the four seasons. Mm. So predominantly we have four seasons and there are four different types of temperaments. So mm. you have uh, spring season, which has a quality of being warm and moist. Warm and moist. That's spring. Mm. And then you have summer, which is really warm and dry. Dry. With warmer or hot? Warmer, hotter and dry. Hot and dry. Yeah. And then you have what you call fall here or uh, autumn, autumn mm -hmm. which is dry and cold cold yeah. and then you have winter which is uh, cold and wet yeah okay so you're cold and moist cold and so moist, yeah. these are the qualities inherent in each of the season mm. in a similar way predominantly you have a person that would be one or more of these temperaments and with so a dom they'll have a dominant they would have a dominant temperament and then they would have <coughs> a subdominant temperament would you would you what would you call these well you have many names for these mm. so for example spring is uh, called rabi in arabic mm -hmm. yeah and in english is called sanguine sanguine yeah so this is someone who's always going to be in a good mood they're going to be Happy. in a good mood okay mostly in a good mood and then you have summer okay yeah which is sofravi swad sofravi mm -hmm. from yellowness uh, yeah, which is also known as choleric. Choleric. Yeah, so they like summer a lot of fire. This, this is person gonna be hot blooded. Hot blooded. So why wouldn't it be red? Like it, hot blooded, the the color that oh, comes to mind. Right. Red. It's it's now, nah, but here the hot blooded of summer is you have the yellowness of the bile. Okay. Yeah. So it's not hot-blooded, but choleric with a irritation uh, and heat. Highly irritable. Highly irritable. Uh, so they don't necessarily have abundance of blood, but they have abundance of heat and dryness. So that they could, they have a temper too. They're more likely, every, yeah, they're more likely to have a temper. So they're, they're quick more, to snap. They're more likely to be outward. Start reminding me of yeah? myself actually. <laughs> so they they're very quick to to shift moods. Indeed. Okay, you actually you think you just diagnosed me right there. Okay, next and one. And then you fall. have the fall which is the autumn. Okay. Yeah, which is more melancholic. Melan oh, okay, so a downer. This is like a Debbie downer. We, we yeah. call it Debbie downer. More then internalized, yeah. more reflected but downer. And what would we call that? We call it melancholic. Melancholic. Or 
in Arabic Saudawi. Yeah. This is Sauda, from the Khild of Sauda. Yeah. Sort of darkness. But this is the type of person you want to get away from. Well, we'll come to that. Yeah. No, you don't want to get away from any person. Yeah. Because they all have their strength and Better. weaknesses. That's the difference. And then mm. you have the phlegm, which is the winter. And what, yeah, what, what, would this, what would this person be? Or phlegmatic. These are now. There's another way to look at these. So the winter type of person is more like the water. Mm. Yeah, uh, the that spring person is more like the air. The summer mm. person is more like the fire, and the autumn person is more like the earth. earth. Okay. Yeah. So the the phlegmatic would be someone. If you said like water, that means it will adjust. It will more likely to be adjust. But also, it n- will never have a, f- a position. It will never have a form. Its form is. Uh, it changes. It changes. Form. Yeah. Now okay. all of these and each of these temperament have <coughs> their strengths and their weaknesses. Hmm. So in their own inherent right, no temperament is necessarily bad they're or good. They're, yeah. They're, if Allah created all of them, then Indeed, they have a benefit. Indeed, Allah created this yeah. diversity, and yeah. people actually go through their life having the temperament changed and developed. I have a question now. Is there a uh, link between between people? So, um, in friendship, would people who are the same temperaments find an attraction as friends? <laughs> it's a very interesting question. Because you have relationships. You have relationship of friendship, and you have relationship of marriage, and you have relationship of uh, family, you know, like mother and father. Uh, so... What are there ideals in these things? Because I know the first thing people are going to think about is, well, what are, what am I, and then what is my husband? What is my spouse? What is my you know my best friends? And are there ideals, or can anyone fit with anyone? No, there are ideals. You know, there are certain affinities and certain repulsions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now we need to discuss one more point before we come to that, which is that the temperament also then has degrees mm. so you can have a person who's let's say choleric mm. uh, summer but they could be very balanced summer okay or they could be extreme summer I see. so usually degrees from one to four. Oh, okay so and how would the you person judge in the centered is one and the person who's to the extreme of summer is four so one is the balanced one is the most balanced oh, okay yeah. Closest to the other to Closest relate to, the other. to the center. Okay. Closest to their center. So now if you take the person who's uh, balanced, then he or she is more able to adjust and manage the relationship because uh, they're in the center. Okay. And and what would make you what how would you judge uh, one to four? What would well, be the that obviously would depend on the training of the person yeah huh. that obviously one need to but let's just go back to the prophetic sallallahu okay models so again you know out of all the creation the prophet sallallahu is the best of the creation because temperamentally they're also the most balanced yes well i can also tell you that from these that um there may be some mba that have such you know prophet musa he was quick to anger, right? But he was anger for a good reason, obviously, right? So we won't say it's a negative anger. It's a positive anger. But we know Prophet Ibrahim, alayhi salam, was not. He was very halim, 
And we know Rasulullah must be in the middle of all these if he's the prophet of, of everyone, unlike mm. any other prophet. No other prophet is the prophet for all human beings. Gotcha. Prophet Musa السلام, was for a limited time. Prophet Isa for a limited time. And now Prophet Muhammad وسلم, his temperament, if you notice, he attracted Umar bin Khattab and he attracted Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Uthman, all very different. Would you even say that you can fit the four khalifas as symbols of these four temperaments? Some people have tried to do that, and you can begin to yeah. look at it like <coughs> that. Yeah? Yeah. So, the Prophet ﷺ had the greatest capacity because they were the most centered being. Mm. And they could adjust and accommodate. Yeah. So, the greater the person is centered according to their individual temperament, the more balanced they are. Huh. Now, coming to modernity, modern life really by design is such that it destroys the balance and the centeredness of the person. In which ways? In all its different ways, from eating, from sleeping, you know, from work, uh, because really it's based on the model of industrialization and maximum exploitation of the person yeah. and the resources. It destabilizes the relationships with their town, with their family. It, so it really destroys the relationship yeah. with everything. And back to this holistic point that when we said that prophetic medicine and all of the ancient medicines were very holistic, we can't forget the aspect of relationships. So not just the body with itself, mm -hmm. not just the body with the soul, but how about people with their relationship? And as you just mentioned, that the modern society, it disrupts this balance. So mm -hmm. the idea that you, you, have, uh, you see the same people and you have the same bonds through life from age one, from when you're first born until you're 40 years old, and you have, okay, my mom's here, my dad's there, this is uncle so-and-so, that's the imam, these are my friends. It gives you such an emotional and mental stability Indeed. that it must be. I mean, just common sense tells you it's great for mental health, this type of relationship stability. Yeah. 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 The stability and the connectivity. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the Muslim uh, physicians have developed basically six parameters mm. to look at how to balance one's... Six parameters. Six parameters. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, get, let's, yeah? let's do that. So... The first one is, these are called asbab sitta zaruriya, huh. the sixth essential lifestyle factor. Mm. And depending on the individual person's temperament, how balanced or imbalanced they are, or what their temperament is, adjusting these six lifestyle factors in itself will bring the person to the center. Okay. So the first one is really, all about air and environment. Air and environment, yeah. okay. So if we look at our environment, mm. how healthy it is, mm. how natural it is. Mm. So city folks are gonna be on the negative on this point. Indeed, yeah. Would you consider the modern suburb to be in the middle between city and rural? I think, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's n neither this way or that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then really the next thing is uh, food and drink. Food and drink. Yeah. That in itself is a huge that's subject. A, that's yeah? a huge subject, yeah. So how do you understand what to eat, 
how much to eat, mm -hmm. what food combination, and what to drink, how much to drink. And again, as we said earlier, that really there's a whole lot of confusion about the food, understanding of food. Most people are confused. Yeah. You know, you have, again, modern life is based on extremism. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have on one side the camp who says, don't eat meat full stop. Yeah. And then you have the other side which says, don't eat the grains, yeah. just live on whole meat diet. I think in your country, you have proponents of these oh at yeah. both ends, yeah? Mm -hmm. Whereas the reality is in the middle, that people need to find their individual uh, temperament and their individual lifestyle and then adjust their food and drinks according to that, yeah? yeah? So, again, going back to our earlier conversation, really, that each food and drink has its own temperament. Uh, oh, that yeah. can add or decrease. Indeed. So, okay. <coughs> if someone is, let's say again, imbalanced summer person. Yeah. What should they avoid? They should avoid, for example, eating too many eggs. Really? Because eggs yeah. are hot and dry. Never thought about that. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. So they would need to have foods which are more moist and cooling. Like what? For example, salads. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exciting. That's not fun. It's, well, you know, it depends. Yeah. yeah. But can you begin to see? Or so you want if to have they're eating. Or drink a lot of water. Yeah, of course, drink a lot of water if they. Will balance yeah, them out. Balance them out. Again, it would depend what kind of exercise they have. Oh. We'll come to that in a moment because not all exercise is necessarily oh, really? good for every person. That's so, you know, point. this whole area about food and drinks is very complicated. The the spring is warm and moist. The yeah. summer is hot and dry. So the summer. Per so you're saying, the idea is that to drink to, to have the opposite, right? To consume a bulk of the opposite. So to bulk consume to bring the person into the balance. If the person okay. is balanced, yeah. then they're okay. But if the person is Suffering out of balance, okay. then they need to eat and drink the opposite. What foods would be classified as warm? Warm. So I gave you an example eggs. of eggs is basically warm, red meat, hot and dry, red meats, and then it would depend on what kind of red meat. Hmm. Yeah? The lamb versus cat, uh, beef. Beef for example would be not really very hot. Oh, come a bit closer. <laughs> beef would be more Here is another concept that depending on the energetics of the food it also has a connection with the humors. Humors. Yeah. Hmm. So spring, its humor is blood. Oh, okay. Humor associated <coughs> with spring is blood. Okay. Humor associated with summer is? Uh, you said it was bile. Yellow bile. Yellow bile. bile. Okay. Yeah. What is bile exactly? Well, bile is, you know, bile is sofra. Uh. Yeah, that element which makes food digest. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kind of that which is produced in the liver and stored in the gallbladder. I see. Okay. And then you have black bile, which is the melancholic. Okay. And then you have the phlegm. So you have the energetics of the food, which then go on to produce the humors. Oh. So for example, if somebody is melancholic, you don't want them to more to produce more of right. that same thing. So you want to lessen Black the bile. melancholic in them 
the black bile so if they regularly eat beef for example which i hear is very fashionable in america uh-huh. people really like eating beef well here, this yeah? is the thing yeah this is the thing really yeah. now ask Cowboys. yourself yeah they're really going to get heavy and heavy eating beef because what is the nature of the cow the cow doesn't move very quickly does it slow very slow and weighty and weighty now if the person is already melancholic uh this is going to increase it that's going to increase the black bile in them oh i see subhanallah so yeah. so can so the euro or oh, for example let me give you another example mm. which will be easier for the listeners your listeners is that if somebody's phlegmatic winter cold and moist cold and moist okay yeah and they really love to drink cold milk yeah and they take a lot of cheese it's going to be negative it's going to be negative because uh. it's going to increase the cold and the moisture in them uh. so y- depending on where they are whereas for example the yellow bile person would really benefit from having milk mhm oh so the the summer the so summer cuz milk is cold cold and, and moist moist so what do we opposite to them uh, okay so 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 what other foods would be tell us more about the foods which we just said the beef is more towards the uh, more melancholic melancholic yeah, that will in- so that producing it would increase that it would okay. increase that yeah and most people are really nowadays depressed yeah yeah so eating beef you can make it worse it will make worse if you really want to get more depressed keep eat eating mcdonald keep eating yeah. well keep eating more beef how about what is the meat the red meat that's the opposite of that the bird meat sparrows oh okay <laughs> Light F- fowl meat. fowl right okay yeah, yeah. okay good uh, how about fish uh, again it depends on the depends on the type of fish type of fish but really fish yeah. is mostly you know good food apart from toxins yeah. and other things now when we talk about vegetables yeah which is uh, not a very uh, interesting topic but they all would be uh, i would guess uh, all cold mostly most vegetable would be on the cold, cold or moist side. side cold and moist yeah okay good yeah. good okay so that's food and drink N- uh now we're since we're on the topic of drink if i could bring up one prophetic uh drink that went around recently that many people are talking about is talbina right. which is that sweet and hot and milky um food can you is- describe what it is and what the prophet meant by this when he said drink talbina it lifts your spirits and things yeah. like that. actually uh, talbina is a food you consider it a food okay yeah. yeah so talbina basically is uh whole barley 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 uh whole barley because there are different types of barleys uh which is used as a soup okay or mostly as a soup made in whole milk mm. that's talbina with with honey you can add honey if you wish okay. you can add many other things to it but basically talbina is barley soup barley soup that is more on the uh, uh like a sweet it can be sweet like or it can be savory you can make it a savory yeah yeah oh i see okay and um the prophet sallallahu used to say to their family when there was grief or death in the family to use talbina to make uplift people it uplifts that means it, it would be warm and 
it would be moist. warm and moist, yeah? Because that related to the spring. Yeah. 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 So, but it has a particular affinity to make the person happy. Happy. Yeah, to Which, take away the grief. So that each one of these temperaments has an, uh, an emotion connected to it. So spring was happy. Indeed. Uh, summer is anger. I'm, I'm guessing these because it sort of it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, the melancholic is sad, mm. sadness. And the phlegmatic would be uh, reasonable. Like, what would Maybe you... Maybe more of a kind of easy, easy going? crying, easy going, but also can be more sensitive. Okay, sensitive. Yeah. Have, have you s- they're, they're opposite to the anger <clears throat> one. I think they made a movie about these. In which they made many movies. Yeah. Tell me which one you think. I'm thinking of the one where <clears throat> they went into a child's brain. It's one of these digital uh, graphic type of movies. Mm-hmm. They went into a child's brain, and in the child's brain, um, they had four people. Sadness, anger, and then uh, disgust, and happiness, ha- uh, uh, joy, right? And these, uh, joy was the leader of all of them, right? And then... You know, anger had a, a role, a job, and then whenever things happened, it reflected that that emotion took over the room. He took over the control, command center of the brain. Mm-hmm. So when the family moved, and the girl had to leave off all her friends, right? Anger took over the room, right? And he told everyone to sit down. Then he's taking over, right? And then when things changed, joy came in and said, "Anger, you 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 take a back seat. I'll take over," right? Things like that. So basically, when you when we brought these up, it reminded me of, you know, I haven't seen that film, yeah. but uh, you know, this it's idea, great for kids to see. Indeed, this idea of temperament is found right across cultures. Yeah, yeah, in it's, literature, in movies, and you see it every day. It's an observable. Um, it's an observable yeah. reality. Uh, yeah. If I, uh, so we're we're now on Elisbab Sitta. One, air and environment. Two, food and drink. Now, can I bring up one more before we go to number three? the uh, obsession modern obsession and especially we muslims are obsessed with it because it's one of the things that is halal that we can have uh coffee where does it fit into this uh, paradigm okay coffee genuine coffee by nature is bitter uh-huh. and its quality is hot and dry hot and dry so so it's a summer quality it's a summer quality in small <laughs> traces especially for the seekers you know mm-hmm. It can help to give them energy. It gives energy. Yeah. yeah. But you have to be careful that if you are uh, already imbalanced mm. in your uh, temperament as a hot and dry person, yeah. and you really take coffee. It'll send you through the roof. Yeah. Especially if you add sugar to it. Sure. Or add, add you through the roof. Yeah. Um, again, bef- uh, okay, so I re- I'm really interested in uh, the degrees, how the degrees are determined one to four. Yeah, the degrees are de- determined by the specialist. The you know okay. the balance. So you'd have to look at them, talk yeah, to them. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number the next th- one is, uh, I think, sleep and wakefulness. Oh, this is a big subject. Yeah, sleep and wakefulness. Okay. And then there's the illumination and retention. That number four. Yeah. Is illumination. Illumination and retention. Illumination uh, would be anything that the person discharges from stool feces. Oh, Sweat, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm thinking here that this has to do with memory, retention no. of memory. This no. has to do with going to the bathroom properly. Yeah, bathroom okay. or not. And also emotions. I never thought about that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, emotions. We're going to come to the... That's body, with, with so with sleep and wakefulness hmm. and then emotional and mental 
rest and activity. That's, that's another one. That would be number five then. Emotional and mental rest and activity. Yeah. So let's come back to the sleep one. Okay. Because, again, modernity and post-modernity mm -hmm. really doesn't like people to sleep. No, it doesn't let people sleep. It's like you're, you're a lazy bum. Yeah, you need to be a capitalist really the, and get up and work. The out-of-control capitalist economies and global capitalism now, thanks to the invention of so-called modern technologies, yeah. Yeah, people can work all the time. Yeah. It really messes people up. Yeah. The light bulb changed the world. Indeed. Light bulb, yeah. but also now these so-called smartphones else. and internet and so on. Yeah. So what you have is people are really disturbed now with respect to their sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. I'm totally, I've been, this is the, the something that for me is a big deal. If it's off, in terms of irritability, mood, I uh, mean, it's out of control. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one-third of human life it's about sleep. Mm -hmm. On average, each person needs eight hours of sleep in 24 hours. Yeah. So can you see what a critical factor it is? Humongous. Yeah. And most people are actually now sleep deprived. It's an epidemic. Ep epidemic. Yeah. And therefore a lot of <coughs> ill health. Yeah. And then it's not only about eight hours, but when do people go to sleep? Yeah. That's important. I've, I've read about people who genuinely need three to four hours of sleep to two hours sometimes. And that's not something they're trying to do. They genuinely do not need a lot of sleep. Is this something that's just part of their body or can it be trained? I think generally this is part of their body. Okay, so no one should try to aspire to that? Not really. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how many people you know in your circle who genuinely can sleep only two hours and be functional over long term. No, I've met maybe a person who once mentioned that they... Um, we go on very little sleep to the point that uh, they can do, you know, sometimes two days and a half and then sleep five hours and then do another day, right? So this, this that's like I one person. I think I would see that as a kind of illness, really. So it's not something to aspire to? Not really, no. Okay. No. Because, you know, this too, this too is that viewed as, you know, you're productive. You're someone who's, you know, got it, doesn't need sleep it's versus someone who needs sleep is viewed as someone lazy or unproductive in the capitalist society. Yeah, but yeah. again, you know, it's a, it's a problem of perception, really. Human beings need six to eight hours of sleep okay. at the right time. Which is the minimum would be? be six hours. But uh, what, the, what would you say the minimum time would be? Ah, the earliest time to go to sleep yeah. or the best time to go to sleep is immediately after Isha. Okay, so and you check whenever Isha comes in. Whenever Isha comes in and then I really to get up before Fajr and also to have a sleep during the midday, what is called siesta. Yeah. Yeah. So that we okay, will attach Lula. it. We would attach this to prayer time more so than because uh, than clock time because obviously salat in summertime we're yeah. praying Aisha at ten yes. o'clock. You we can attach it more to, to the prayer time. Prayer time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And siesta would take more of an impact. Have more of an impact in the summertime, when your yes. Aisha is at ten and your yeah. Fajr is at four. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Okay. So... Now we're on elimination and retention. Right. Again, you know, uh, the modern person really doesn't have time to wash and bath properly mm -hmm. 
Yeah? People think they have the time, but really, how much time do they take to have proper elimin elimination? For example, most people are too busy to really go to the bathroom and have uh, pass their stools on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah, something nobody thinks about really. Hardly anybody thinks about But did you know there are rhythms in nature when the person should go to empty their bowels? bowels. Oh, and there is an optimum time and there is an inappropriate time. Really? Yeah, indeed. What is it? Well, there yeah. are, in Chinese medicine, there is a thing called body clock. Okay. Yeah. And people who are really in tune with nature, they would eliminate the stool usually in the morning. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah? Okay. Uh, again, the constipation is a big modern epidemic. The majority of the people are constipated. They carry around toxins and rubbish. Uh, when you talk about this, it sort of uh, brings, mm. makes sense in the pre-modern world where you had to go to an outhouse. So that you, you actually had to schedule that, right? When was it safest? When were there no animals out? Indeed. So it actually makes sense in the past that there yeah. would be a time to go to the bathroom that's yeah. appropriate and a time yeah. that's not. Ah, but now you see the modern system is such that it doesn't allow for people to be connected to nature. So it says, you know, that was an old idea. Yeah. yeah? yeah. They were worried about no lights, you know, yeah. you had to watch where the animals were. Yeah. Nowadays, you don't need to worry. If I can just use another example. Really, people say that, you know, pork is okay now because the modern pig is really hygienic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah. Uh, that's really not the case. The nature of the beast is still the same. Yeah. Yeah. So in a similar way, the human being needs rhythms mm. and needs to work with the rhythms. Yeah. And if you're out of rhythms, there's only increased misery and suffering. Mm. One of the things that um, I've always thought of and I came upon lately is that, believe it or not, we Westerners, we don't even know how to go to the bathroom. Because the way we sit down does not eliminate anything. And that there is a new... They're trying to sell it to you for like $60 where all you need is a stool to put your feet on the stool to put your knees yeah. above, slightly above or level to your belly button. Indeed. So when you sit at that acute angle between your torso and your thighs, you go to the bathroom very quickly, right? It's not a long, drawn-out process of pushing. It's just yeah. squeezed so, out. So, so the concept is that really we need to know ergonomics. Yeah, that's what yeah? it is. That's what it is. So many of our lifestyle and our behavior yeah. is actually not ergonomic. Yeah. Yeah? Where is the traditional method of using the bathroom was based on mm. principles which were ergonomics. Makes made more sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are retaining toxins because when they're going to the bathroom, yeah. They're not going to the bathroom properly. They're not. And also when we talk about toxins, it also means, for example, how much of the chemicals we apply on our bodies. Lotions. and Lotions and shampoos, which are fancy chemically yeah. laced stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Bathrooms full of these wonderful bottles, which yeah. are. But for women, it's even more acute and a bigger problem. Yeah. Because the evidence shows that women actually use far more products on their bodies oh, than yeah. men. And I want to tell the women that are being fooled by all these fake shampoos, soap is soap. 
and I go out and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I go to the Arab shop. The guy there, he has blocks or the African shop too of olive oil based soap. It's the best soap you can have, right? It's mainly just olive oil, right? In the form of a, a soap. All these fancy shampoos with the beautiful woman on the top and the hair and a beautiful smell. It's nothing. It's soap is soap, right? And I buy this thing for a, a buck a fifty, and it lasts me six months, six seven bars of, of these olive oil soap, and it's probably far more free of all these toxins. Indeed. Right? You need that, maybe a little bit of conditioner to soften up, and game's over. Yeah. Yeah. But you know they sell dreams through those. They're photographs. selling dreams, yeah, selling dreams, and the scent—it's just a scent, right? And most of the scents are synthetic. Oh yeah, it's probably the uh, the chemical effect is worse with that scent, you know, because of the chemicals they need in it. So uh, let's go back to elimination and retention. Water, drinking a lot of water helps eliminate. Yeah. That's right. So could you talk to us a little bit on the importance of water and how much to drink water and how to reconcile as a Muslim? Many people imagine the Sahaba and the Prophet. Or they should, they, there's no way they would have drank that much water. So we as well should be able to not go without water as like a, being like them. Okay, so we, we were on water, but you would like to come back to water later? Inshallah, yeah. Okay. Let's look at the other two di- lifestyle factors. Okay, good. Yeah, so we need to just talk about uh, physical movement and rest, okay. which is really about exercise, activities, when is exercise appropriate, when it's not appropriate, okay. how much, how long for, what kind of uh, age or temperament the individual is in, mm-hmm. and how to structure the appropriate exercise for that. Okay, good. That's a whole area which... Mm-hmm. Again, uh, a lot of the gyms and other, you know, providers really don't individualize it. No, and your your what you're bringing forth is that it has to do with temperament and degree of temperament. Degree of temperament, temperament, age, life cycle, where the person is, what their health status is, but also there is something very special about tib and holistic traditions, which is that the each person has what we call a life force or a vital force. Mm. Now, inappropriate or excessive exercise can actually deplete that. Make you more like exhausted. Make the individual more exhausted Mm. and also then lead to disease and injury. Mm. So just because people are moving around, it doesn't mean that it's beneficial for them. Makes sense. Could have an excess, yeah. Yeah. so this is one area mm. where really there's very little knowledge about that. Yeah. Uh, the other area is the mental and emotional rest and activity. Mm. The modern person is really almost whipped to exhaustion uh, by the amount of stimulation. Like way excessive. Way excessive. To such an extent people really are bombarded with excessive information yeah yeah and really just ask that if a person overeats nutrition food yeah then really it has to be digested metabolized and absorbed and then the elimination Mm. similarly if people are consuming too much information it's even more 
uh, harder to process the information. Yeah. So that's why modern person, most people have an overload of information. I add to that, the information is toxic. Like it's of about course, the nature of the information is toxic. It's kind of conflict based. Yeah, conflict based and all sorts of yeah. stuff. But really, so people are addicted to information. Yeah. So they want more and more information to an extent that really they become more depleted in terms of their vital energy. Yeah. Uh, there's this uh, mirage or this uh, boogeyman of fear that I can be, I can become outdated or I could become uh, not up with things. And people have this real fear of being uh, sort of left behind uh, when it comes to these things. So we're consuming uh, the latest trends, the latest this and the latest that mainly out of fear yeah uh, out of fear but then eventually as well as depleting the energy it actually becomes addictive yeah because you need enough energy to say no to the information overload yeah and pe- very many people can't do that yeah, the new luxury really is um the uh joy of missing out you know uh fomo fear of missing out yeah. but the new luxury is really joy of missing out mm-hmm. and you see uh, such nasty debates going on and arguments on certain forums and you're just like you have the ni'mah lucky that I was uh, you know totally out of this and not aware of it and it's like the joy of missing out is something that is the new thing right and it's really healthy for people yeah. you know and, and subhanAllah what does a person really need in life what you really need is what you're going to be asked about in this life and the next which is in the next life we know uh, parents deen and in this life pay your bills um, your job you're really only answerable to your boss, right? Whoever's paying you. And that's really what you have to worry about. And you should focus on that and do your job. And all of our busyness with matters that we really have zero impact on, literally zero impact on, is what we're obsessed with, right? And it's what makes us sick. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so these are the six main ones. Mm. Um, these are the six lifestyle factors. Yeah. which if an individual understands one or more of them hmm. and then slowly re- synchronizes his or herself with each one of those hmm. so they c- reconnect with nature. Yeah. They will find more and more balance and as a result of balance, they will gain health and they will gain a perspective. Hmm. And it's very simple and very natural and very practical. Now, um, we were talking about retention and water mm-hmm. and drinking a lot of water uh, water to eliminate toxins from the body basically to move your bowels yeah. so uh, what is there a, a rule of thumb or is it also differ based upon temperament on right. how much water so someone should have how much water should each person have really again depends on their individual needs mm. what kind of food they have what kind of lifestyle they have mm. yeah and uh, what is their health status Uh, if actually there's a very easy way of knowing whether you consuming enough water or not can I guess I have a guess it's the color of your urine indeed it's the color of your urine what color should it be more closer to clear it should be more closer to clear of course first urine after sleep is likely to be colored Mm -hmm. so that's not the indicator okay but during the day yeah, that's the indicator. That's the indicator. Your, the individual's urine should be clear. Okay. That means you are you drinking enough water for the individual person's need. 
Now, so much of this you mentioned is individualized. Individualized. That's yeah. the beauty of holistic medicine. That makes sense. Yeah? yeah, that it's individual for the person according to their needs. And how do you see patients? All live or do you see them through Skype or through something else? In England, we're only allowed to see patients alive face-to-face. Face-to-face, okay. Once. Okay. And then you can see patients over Skype, over phone, over email. Okay. But outside UK, we can see patients through Skype. Okay, when you say allowed, that means the government is regulating this field of medicine. Indeed. So that means they're recognizing this field of medicine. Uh, well, they're regulated. Of course, they recognize it. But okay. recognition means at different levels. Mm. Yeah? So they regulate it. And we have a professional association. Oh, that's great. And also insurances. Really? Professional practices. And you accept insurances, too? Uh, I don't personally, but some colleagues do. Okay. And yeah. they can accept NHS? Uh, NHS at the moment doesn't accept this. Okay. By special arrangements it can, but okay. not normally. Okay. But there are people who work in the NHS. Is there a way that you can uh, communicate some of these? What's the best way to communicate these teachings or these? Uh, right. These so the best way, obviously, to communicate this is for people to attend what we call a face-to-face course. Okay. A training course, and we really have various levels of courses. We have a free course online okay but we also have a paid course online for people who are interested but really our real training is in two stages we have a a two stage course which is called life balance and healthy living okay and it's in leicester that's usually in in leicester and also in spain and now in Mashallah. the states okay good yeah and you and just did one are you we, going to we're going to do one inshallah we're going to do one starting 4th of march okay good yeah so there good. is three-stage course in uh, March Good. here. Uh, and then people who want to become professional as herbologists or naturopaths or both, then it usually takes about four years to complete the course. Okay, and this is your book? If I can... Uh, one of the books. But as we were talking about, there was there's a book on the temperament, which really... Uh, now, this book is thicker. This is the, I'm holding the an introduction to Islamic medicine. Uh, this is thicker than the one I have, yeah, so you added a, to it. It's a new edition. Yeah, you add, and the other one is what? What is the other one called? Uh, the other one is called the Golden Key to Self Discovery. Okay. The Golden Key to Self Discovery on the temperament. And that's an exciting topic because it just seems like everyone's going to relate to one of them, obviously, right? Indeed. And then you're basically going to be reading about yourself. Yeah, very and, much. And everyone has a primary temperament and a secondary temperament. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and then they can adjust the six lifestyle factors which we discussed mm-hmm. based on their temperament and is there um in terms of foods you have carbs proteins fats is there a relation of these to the temperaments too such that one is you know there is some relation but really this is uh, another paradigm of understanding foods mm-hmm. we have a more energetic and a holistic understanding Okay. Yeah. Now, let me ask you some of these questions. This is like the the popular type of questions that people are going to want to know. Let's say you have a sanguine woman. What kind of husband is best match for her? Sanguine is spring. Spring. Warm and moist. Would be cold and dry, right? Opposite? Opposite is cold and dry. But again, really it depends to the degree of cold and dryness. Uh. Okay. If let's 
let's work with the premise that the sanguine person, in this case the woman, is balanced sanguine. Okay. And it would benefit to have a balanced melancholic. Okay. So balance with balance. Balance with balance. But then opposite temperaments. And then imbalance with imbalance. Well, not really because the, Im- the greater the imbalance, the more problems. Yeah. Both in relationship so when and you're in behavior. When you're imbalanced, you're in trouble either way. Really. Yeah. What so you're really seeking is to be balanced to the best of your ability. Because the choices you make when you are balanced are more likely to be stable choices. Yeah. It reminds me of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Abu Bakr, I hear you praying to Hajjid very quietly, praying in the night very quietly. Omar, you pray so very loudly. What's the reason? Abu Bakr, uh, um, Sayyidina Abu Bakr said, I, uh, this is a private uh, munajat with my Lord, private discourse with my Lord, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Sayyidina Omar says, to wake up the sleeper and to expel shaitan. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking about this, everyone around him. So the Prophet Wasallam said, Abu Bakr, raise your voice a little bit. And Omar, decrease your voice a little bit. Which means he actually confirmed what they're upon, but balanced them. Moderate. Them. Yeah, Balance. brought them both together. So. Indeed. Such that the person such as Abu Bakr and Omar, maybe outside of Islam, would not have got along. And yet they were very close in Islam. And even in Islam, they had c- clearly different views. And they it sometimes had d- debates, right, uh, amongst themselves. Mm. Uh, to the point that one time they had a uh, such a debate, that, uh, dis- uh, dispute, I should say, not a debate, a dispute. But the Prophet ﷺ brought them closer. So that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, that you bring them down to balance. So let's, on the presumption that everyone is balanced, then uh, the next one would be the summer person with dry and moist. Hot and dry. Hot and dry. Yeah. So he would go with cold and wet. Moist, yeah. Cold and wet, which so is it would, winter. That relationship so would center them more. Center them even more. So help each other. Yeah. So So... Anyone who's hot, you want to go with someone cold. And well, anyone dry who's hot moist. and dry wants to go cold and moist. warm, uh, cold and moist. Okay, so that's what's best for them. Yeah. And how about people of similar temperaments? Wouldn't this cause a type of conflict and imbalance in the household? I mean, two, two people who are, for example, melancholic. Yeah. I mean, the kids are going to become, go crazy. Yes. What if they had a kid who's excitable Indeed. and the parents are really boring? Yeah. A kid will come out and he'll be rebellious. Right? You'd be unhappy. Okay, so these things make sense. All right, so I think we'll stop it here, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Anyone who wants, do you have a website that anyone can uh, visit? Yeah, we actually have two websites. Okay, good. One is for training called College of Medicine and Healing Arts. Okay. And the other is for uh, information and products and clinical consultations, which is called Mohsen Health. MohsenHealth.co.uk. That's right. And the other one was College of Medicine and Healing Arts. College of Medicine and Healing Arts. Co.uk. Dot org. Uk. Dot org. Uk. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Jazakallah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladina amanu wa amilu s-salihat wa tawasub al-haq wa tawasub al-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi.